What a song, isn't it? And Charles Weigel, that was a, a man there. His wife took their child, her daughter, and, and left him. Uh, didn't want to serve the Lord, didn't want anything to do with the Lord, and left him. And he wrote that song. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. I'm glad he cares about us, aren't you? And when you think about that, that story there, how real it was to him. I wonder how many people it's been a blessing to, and even us tonight. Well, Colossians chapter number 4 this evening. Colossians chapter number 4. We're going to talk about a bunch of folks, a bunch of folks. Colossians chapter 4, verse 7 is where we'll start. Colossians 4, verse number 7, and then we will go on down through verse number 18. Colossians chapter number 4 and verse 7. I'll read verse 7, join me on verse 8, and we'll go on down through verse number 18, which is the end of that chapter, all righty? Verse number 7, all my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts, with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. They shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you, and Marcus, sister's son, to Barnabas, touching whom ye receive commandments. If he came unto you, receive him. And Jesus, which is called Justice, who are of the circumcision. These only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you, and them that are in Laodicea, and them in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea, and Nymphus, and the church was it which is in his house. And when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea, and say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. The salutation by the hand of me, Paul, remember my bonds, grace be with you, amen. That may not seem like a whole lot there, but there's, there's a lot of names mentioned there. And uh, we, we fought our way through to try to pronounce them. I'm not sure if I pronounced them all correctly or not. But uh, I think there's something that we can start out. And I titled my message this, Everyone's Important. Everyone is important. I'm glad it's that way. I'm glad it's that way. Don't ever think that you're not important. You are. You know, a lot of people today just don't think they are. There's a lot of, a lot of suicide today. Where people say, you know, what's it matter? You know, you're important. Don't ever forget that. You're always important. You're important to God. But the truth of the matter is you're important to other people too. The devil tell you you're not. The devil tell you you're worthless. And that's why we have so many, even young people today, killing themselves. And, 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 and adults too, just killing themselves. They don't, they don't see the value of life. And uh, yet we see the value of life in these verses here tonight. And so may we choose life, of course. But may we also realize how important everyone is. Let's ask the Lord to bless. Father, thank you again for this time this evening. I pray that you would bless us and help us now to 
uh, find your will in this message. And Lord, that you, our hearts will be tender. And Lord, even though the sermon is not about salvation, I pray if there would be somebody here not saved, that you would just prick their heart about it right now. May they not go home lost. And so, Father, we thank you again uh, for this time. Thank you for this church. Thank you for these dear people here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You know, I think of the local church. I think of its diversity and how that, uh, you know, each believer is an important part of the church. Uh, again, some people think in life itself. They say, well, my life is not important. But tonight I'm not really talking about that in life. I'm talking about in the church. I think the church is something that's very, very important, is, is high on the list by the Lord. And he deals with it. And he was talking about that here. And he's telling us that every, every part is very important. I think about a piece of machinery. And uh, I used to operate machines when I was in, uh, in college, when I worked for Simmons. And, and I was a machine operator, had four different machines that operated there at the same time. And found out something. They always needed every part to operate correctly. If you take a part off, it's not going to operate right. You're going to have all kinds of problems. If a part broke or a part you could not have, that, that machine would sit empty, would sit not able to work because there was a part not there. Every one of us are a part of the machinery. We're a part of the church. And uh, I think when we got saved, God put us in the body by the Holy Spirit as he willed. And what I mean by that, that God put us in the church knowing what we have the ability and what we can do. Not all of us are, are, are the same. You see, one of the, a couple of things we need to understand is this. Number one, that we are all different. We're all different. And, and how true that is, isn't it? And, uh, I mean, we, we all don't have the same likes, the same dislikes. We, some folks like, you know, liver and onions. And then there's normal people like me that hate it. Amen? I heard that, Vernon. And uh, I tell you, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. We ought to have, we ought to have an invitation right now just for Vernon. But, uh, you know, I, people like different things. He likes, you eat, you eat asparagus too, don't you? And you know, I think, uh, Zach, you eat that asparagus too. You always, I hear you two talking about it like it's wonderful. And, of course, we know it's not. And, uh, uh, but, uh, no, a lot of you like it. That's all right. I don't have anything against you. I just know that one of these days when we get the marriage supper of the Lamb, that will not be there. It'll be chicken from Kentucky Fried Chicken, mashed taters, and gravy. Amen. I think that's what it's going to be. But the thing is, what happens? We're all different, aren't we? Uh, we like, I look out in the parking lot, I say this a lot, but we look out in the parking lot in all different kinds of vehicles. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, every, every kind of brand there, there is out there almost, and, and uh, because we have different likes. We like different colors. We like different, we're, we're all different. And, and that's not wrong, you know. I, I think probably it's a good thing that husbands and wives are not exactly the same. Amen? You know, men are different. And women are really different, aren't they? And uh, we are different. You know, well, us guys, we can look, you know, and, and at something, and we don't have a, have a tear in our eye. And all of a sudden, you look up at your wife, and she's bawling. And she's got tears. She's different. That's not wrong. That's all right. People are different, aren't they? And that's what we need to understand when it comes to a church, too. We need to understand we're all different. Don't expect everybody to be like you, and that's really a good thing that they're not. 
But don't expect everybody to be like you. We're all different. But also this, you know, the Bible, and the reason I say that is because in 1 Corinthians, if you keep your place there in Colossians, but go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. Just a little ways back there in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, the Bible says in verse number 4, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, there's only one Holy Spirit, but He gives different gifts. There's a diversity here, all right? Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God, which worketh in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So, uh, we we know that we're all going to be different, and there's different gifts that God gives to us. But then we also know that everyone is necessary. Stay there in 1 Corinthians, excuse me, and look at chapter number 12 again and go to verse number 22. The Bible says, nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are what? Necessary. Now the word feeble means those who like liver and onions. I think that's what it means there. I think it's in the Greek. I'm not sure, but I think it is. All right. But the more feeble, all right, more feeble, we understand that. There are some folks that are more feeble than others. But again, what does it say? Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble, that what are they? They're necessary. There are those who can't do what maybe somebody else can do, but they're necessary. You know, we sometimes, I think, you know, as we get older, sometimes we think, you know, what use am I? What can I do? You know, I, 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 my strength is not the same, and I can't, I can't think like I did. I can't do like I do. I think about running, I get out of breath just thinking about it, right? And, 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 and we know that, 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 we, we're, we're, that there were sometimes we become more feeble, but God said that even those that are feeble are necessary. Don't ever think because you get older, you're not worth anything. Amen. Some of you young, younger folks ought to say amen to make us old folks feel better. But, you know, that, that, that we're, we're necessary. Uh, everybody in church, you say, well, you know, I know there's some folks, they just can't do anything. They may not. They may have trouble getting up and getting down, may have trouble walking. But the thing, fact of the matter is God said they are necessary. And if they're necessary to God, they're necessary to us too. So everyone's different. Everyone is necessary. And everyone's to be unified. Colossians chapter number 2. Let's go over there again. Colossians chapter number 2 and verse... Let's see here. Go to verse number 19. Not beholding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with the increase of God... You know, we're to be unified with each other because we're all a part of the body. Amen. So we need to be unified. You know, it would be silly if all of a sudden your hand started punching yourself in the nose. It doesn't happen that way. But if all of a sudden you're about to sneeze, what does happen is your hand goes up to try to cover that sneeze. And if something, if your head itches, what happens? Your hand's ready to go and itch your head. The hand doesn't say, hey, I'm not itching, so what's, what's it to me? The body works. Remember, who created the body? The Lord did, didn't he? And he created the body of the, of the Lord or the body of the church. And that's we that have been saved. And God says there's everything. We're all different. We're to be unified and we're to be, and we're all necessary. And uh, uh, that's the way God looks at us tonight. 
Now, God gives us a list. You know what's interesting about it? God gives us the truth, and then he gives us illustrations. You know, many times when I preach, I give illustrations about things. It helps us kind of remember that story and, and helps us like, hopefully, where we say, oh, I get it. And God gives us some illustrations of exactly what we're talking about here in, in our scriptures. And, and, and we find the Apostle Paul commending some people for what they have done. And I, I think, you know, it's interesting we don't find it recorded here that any of these people were doing it for the, for the, to be, to be uh, commended about it. They weren't doing it so they'd be noticed. They were not serving God so that everyone would say, look how wonderful they are. They were serving God because they loved God. They were a part of the body. They understood this. And may we get this tonight too, that our part is very important. Amen. That's why it's important for us to be in church all the time. Why? I don't, I don't go to church and leave my feet at home. I don't go anywhere without my feet. I need them. I need my hands, I need my ears, my nose, my eyes, my whole body. I need all of that for me to operate correctly. Do you know what the church needs? Everybody all the time. Yeah. I know we say this, well, what's it matter? I'm just one person. What's it matter if my hand, I unscrewed it and laid it down somewhere? I would think I'd probably need it. It's needful. And so it's interesting, these people here were not doing these things, and, and, and they're, they're being commended by the apostle here, but they were not doing it to be commended about it. They were doing it for their love of God. And I think, you know, our motivation for our service of the Lord ought to be this. Our motivation ought to be to please the Lord and to see souls come to the Lord. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians chapter number 10 and verse 31. You probably know it, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of yourself. Oh, God. Everything we're doing, we're supposed to be doing it for the glory of God. Choir folks, I think Seth, Seth knows this, and I know he knows this, and I, and I believe our, our, our choir members know this too. You don't sing up here to be seen. You don't sing up here to entertain us. You sing up here for the glory of God. Get behind this microphone and sing a special. You sing for the glory of God, not so everyone say, look at my talent. I really don't care about our talents. I care about our, our, our reason behind what we do. Do for the glory of God. Now, here's the thing. My talent may not be very good, and my talent's not, but I can still, whatever I do have, I could do for the glory of God and not the glory of Mark Biter. Our motivation ought to be please the Lord. Because I realize this, that you know what? God keeps a record. God does good bookkeeping, doesn't he? He has a record of everything about us. He knows everything. I mean, you think about it. Doesn't the Bible tell us that even the hairs of our head are numbered? Let's keep a record of that because I brush my hair and I know he's good at, at subtraction. Huh? I mean, I've been for years and years and years. I just I used to tease my brothers. Their hair was falling out. And I'd say, yeah, look at me. And, man, I had a full head of hair. And all of a sudden, I'm in the thinning business. And I brush my hair and I look at these hairs falling out. I thought maybe we had a dog or a cat, but we don't have any other animal. And uh, it, it's me. And it's it. I mean, at least there's still some up there. I was having a hard time when they'd ask me, say, what color is your hair? I say brown. My wife stand next to me. She goes, no, it's not. It's gray. I go, it's brown. And she goes, no, it's gray. And I look at the guy behind the counter and I said, what do you think it is? He goes, I'm not getting in this. <laughs> but, you know, you know, we, 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 God keeps a record. He knows the, the number of our hairs. He knows everything about us. And he knows, think about the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to be judged about our good works. 
For him to judge us about our good works, he has to know what we've done. He's got a record of it. So the Lord has a good record of everything that happens. He keeps good records and, and one day will commend us on what we do as we serve him. The Bible says in Matthew 10, 42, listen to this. And whosoever shall give, give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. So God said, hey, someone does something here, you're not going to lose your reward. Now, evidently, God is keeping track of the rewards. God's not going to say, well, what do we do? You know, it's a, it's a, judge, it's a judgment seat of Christ, and, and here's all these Christians, and what, what about, uh, what, what's your name, sir? My name is Mark Biter. He knows my name, but he also knows this. He's not going to have to ask the angels, hey, would you read off what he's done? And the Lord already knows. He's all-knowing. Isn't that wonderful? He's all-knowing. It's kind of scary, though, too. He knows everything. And so he keeps a record, and one day we'll, we'll, we'll be commended for what we've done. And we find here that he tells us about some people. And what I'm going to do tonight, just simply this, we're just going to talk about these people real quick. There's a bunch of them there. Don't worry. I think about ten of them or so. And don't worry. I'm not going to spend all night on this. And, and, uh, uh, but I, I want us to understand the importance of each person. Look at verse number 7 and 8. All my state shall... Tychicus declare unto you his a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. You know, I, I think about what he says here about Tychicus, that he was a faithful brother who labored for Paul. He was willing to do what he could for the Apostle Paul. Now, was Paul Jesus? No. But he was doing it for the Apostle Paul because the Apostle Paul, was, was Paul laboring for the Lord? Yes, he was. And he knew this, that if I can help Paul, I'm helping the work of God. Tychicus was, so, was, 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 was a faithful in, in keeping the message right. You know, I think about, you know, as, as a pastor, I've got to be faithful in a lot of things, but I think I need to be faithful in this, keeping the message right. I said about, uh, I think maybe Wednesday night, I said about I have all the, all the notes from my sermons, and, and, and I, I've always, always thought this. And, I, you know, I see a lot of different fellows that are changing and their ideas about things, and, and uh, you've got to be really careful. Now, today, uh, you know, people have really wacky ideas. They can put it online, and people pick it up all the time, and they see those things. You've got to be very careful about following the Word of God. And uh, I think, you know, as Tychicus, he was very careful in keeping the right message. He was somebody that was trusted by the Apostle Paul. Every preacher needs to be someone that is trusted by making sure they keep it straight what the Word of God says. That's why I want you to have a Bible. That's why I want you to read your Bibles and know what the Bible says. And not just, I mean, I'm thankful you love me, but I want you not to more than love me. I want you to see that what I'm telling you is right. And I can say in all these almost 40 years, I've tried my best to make sure I've stayed straight down the line. I realize how important it is. I know that some of the stand that I've taken has cost us members. I know it has. It's cost people to come and say, well, I don't want to go to a church that believes like that. I mean, I understand. That. I don't want it to be that way. But I've got to be true to those who will be here. Tychicus was true to that. You know, a lot of, lot of nonsense that is out there today. We've got, you know, Twitter and Facebook and text messages and emails and cell phones. And, and uh, remember the day when we didn't have all those things? How did we exist? But it, you know what? We got all those things today and now everybody knows what somebody's doing, where they've been, and what they had for supper. 
you know, maybe wouldn't it be something if we just would use what, what we do have to let other people know about Jesus? I think maybe so. I just think maybe so. Wouldn't it be something if we would communicate the love of Christ and the plan of salvation as much as everything else we want to communicate today. So there was Tychicus, faithful brother, and labored with Paul. And then verse 9, we find there's another man, Onesimus. Onesimus is faithful, the Bible says in verse number 9, with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. They shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Onesimus, he was a true and faithful convert that remained with Paul to labor with him. And I, can you imagine what a blessing it was? He was one of Paul's converts. What a blessing is to have somebody have led to Christ serve the Lord. Amen. And uh, you say, well, I don't know how that is. Let's get busy and try to win someone to Christ. But you see someone, they're growing in the Lord. Uh, Seth and I were talking just before the service about somebody and said, boy, isn't it refreshing, isn't it wonderful to see a faithfulness in people and to see, you know, a change that God makes in their life. God's able to do it. Onesimus was a fellow that had a great change in his life. You remember, he had been a runaway slave. He had been a slave of Philemon. In that little book of Philemon, remember how he comes back there and, got, and the Apostle Paul sends a letter with him and says, Hey, I want you to take him in. I want you to take care of him. And uh, uh, he, he, was, he was a fellow, one of, one of Paul's greatest blessings. You know, think about it. A runaway slave, and yet what happens? Onesimus, it said, a faithful and beloved brother. That's how he thought. Onesimus, you know, you know it was kind of interesting to me, too, that he, that he understood the error of his way and made it right. And I don't understand this stuff sometimes. You go, well, you know, I really messed up, so I quit church. Oh, if you really mess up, you need to be in church. If you really mess up, you need your Bible. If you really mess up, you need the Lord, you need God's people. And, and to get right with the Lord. And I think about this man here, that he, he saw the air of his way and the, and, and the eternal path that he was on. But what happened? He repented of his sins and he turned to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, thank the Lord that he ran into Paul one day. And Paul understood how important he himself was for the Lord. And now Onesimus gets saved. And you know what? His master allowed him to remain with Paul after his conversion, never forgot or forsook his spiritual father. Thank the Lord for the one who led you to Christ. Thank the Lord. You say, preacher, what about the past? Well, understand this. You know, sometimes our past is not what it ought to be. But the past is the past. And Onesimus could have said, well, you know, I did some bad things. I ran off. But Onesimus put the past in the past, and God was able to use them. I'm glad no matter what you've ever done, God can use you. I say this, don't glorify your sin. Realize it's under the blood, though. Don't let it haunt you. I know that's probably easier said than done. But don't let it haunt you. Just realize it's under the blood. The past is the past. And, you know, God can still use you. I think this, you know, if God could still use Onesimus, God could still use any of us. Amen. Amen. And then there was the Aristarchus. Look at verse number 10, first part. And Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you. Aristarchus was a fellow prisoner who remained true to the Lord in, in, in really what we'd have to say were dire circumstances. Can you imagine being in prison? I wouldn't want to be in prison these days. I wouldn't want to have been in prison in those days either. Our prisons today are like country clubs considered what the prisons were in Paul's day. 
And he didn't have all the stuff to take care of them and the government that watched over them and helped them. And Aristarchus was a fellow prisoner. And yet in the situation that he and the Apostle Paul was in, he became a great encouragement to Paul while Paul was in his bonds through example and fellowship. You know, you know what people need today? They need a good example. You're not finding a politician. But we can find examples in a church if we'll let God use us as an example. So preacher, who am I? It doesn't really matter. You know, I'm, I'm, it's just me. It's just my life. Understand that all of us are important in the work of God. So we're starting out by saying, and we're looking at all these people that Paul's bringing out and naming different people. So man, this guy here, he is so faithful. This one here has been my friend. This one has encouraged me. And he goes on about these, this fellow prisoner there. And here, here was, here, here was Aristocars. I can't even say his name right, but you know who I'm talking about there in verse number 10 already. But there you think about this. Although he was in prison, he did not get disappointed with the Lord, nor bitter with the circumstances that he was in. You know, sometimes people say, well, you know, if God really loves me, why does he allow me to go through some of these things? God loves you no matter what you go through. You say, well, you don't know. I know because God is God. God knows what we're going through, and God can get us through what we're going through. We've got to trust him. And I think about this man here, that he didn't get bitter. Here he is in prison. He could have said, well, it's not fair. It's not fair that Paul's in prison. That really wasn't fair, but Paul was in prison. And he could say, it's not fair for me to be in prison. I'm not sure what he might have done, but I'm sure he thought and meant this, and maybe it was true that he didn't deserve to be in prison. But the fact of the matter is, even while these two men were in prison, they were serving God, they were encouraging each other. Listen, when we come to church, there are people in this room that need some encouragement. Now, I was a little disappointed this morning. He said, well, you ought not be disappointed. Now, I, I think this. When the lady got baptized this morning, I hardly saw anybody go up and shake her hand. Shame on us. We're like, who is that person? You ought to know who she is. And don't go tell her I said something, okay. <laughs> but you know what? There should have, we should have been lined up shaking her hand. You say, well, I hardly know her. And you're not going to know her unless you shake her hand. There's someone who is, came out of being baptized with tears in her eyes. So happy about it. Wouldn't it been nice if folks would have walked up and said, I am happy for you. And encourage her. Let me tell you something. She's not the only one who needs encouragement. I just happened to notice it this morning. I, I walked out of, out, of the, out of there from changing, and, and she wasn't out yet. And I walked back, and I was watching, and I saw, and it was just, just, just a couple of folks talked to her. That ought not be, folks. We're, she's important. We're all important. We're all important to be that encouragement to somebody. Archippus was, was one of those people that was encouragement, the Apostle Paul. And, and, and he was, he, you know, I think this too, that he had, that Archippus and, and, and the Apostle Paul had someone to confide with each other. They were able to talk with each other and have fellowship. Isn't fellowship wonderful? Yeah, I mean, before the service, that's one great thing I see in our church there where folks will fellowship and talk with each other. But we, that's an important thing. He said, well, preacher, I'm, that's just not me. Well, why don't you ask God to change you? Quit, ask God to help you not be a snob any longer. Amen. He said, well, that's the way God made me. God didn't make you a snob. You became a snob. We're to love the brethren. Isn't that what the Bible says? Yeah, that's what it says. I read it. I really did. 
Well, we see someone else. I'll get off. I'm getting off on a t- tangent right now, and I'll try to behave myself already. So there was Articus. But then we find in the middle part of verse number 10, And Marcus, sister's son, to Barnabas, touching whom ye receive commandments, if he come unto you, receive him. Now, Marcus, now think about this. This was, at, this, was, this was John Mark from Acts chapter number 15. Remember how that, you know, the, that Paul rejected him to go with him. And remember Paul and Barnabas, Paul and, and Barnabas said, hey, let's take Marcus with us. And Paul said, no, we're not going to take him with us. Now, why? Remember what he did? He got homesick. He decided to go back home, and, and, he, he, didn't, and he was very immature. And so, so uh, uh, Paul said, no, I'm not taking him with me. And so I'm thinking, and, and was there a problem between Paul and Barnabas because of this? Yeah, they split up. You know what was good about it? They didn't quit God. Barnabas said to, to Mark, uh, John Mark said, hey, buddy, why don't you come with me? You know what John Mark could have said? Wait, wait, if Paul didn't want me, then I'm not going. Listen, he wasn't serving because of Paul. He was serving because of Jesus Christ. And he went on and served, uh, served the Lord here. And I, I thought, here was a man, a young man that, that uh, you know, I, I'm sure he, 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 he had a rough time. I'm not sure what I was going on. I think this, I believe he was immature. But you know what? Immature Christians can become mature Christians. You know, kids grow up, don't they? Do you realize how stupid we all were when we were kids? Yeah. Oh, no, 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 say, no, I wasn't. You were too stupid. But it's amazing we mature. Now, some of us don't mature as much as others, but we do mature. And that's a good thing. And, you know, we all mature as Christians, too. Not being a baby all the time, get our feelings hurt, and I have to suck our thumb and have to have someone come and apologize to you. You know what you ought to do is just serve the Lord. Realize other people get hurt, too. You're going to get hurt sometimes. But, you know, what? we can look to God and say, you know what? God's still going to take care of me. Mark, uh, uh, John Mark could have said, well, you know, Paul was mean to me one day. But you know what? He ends up serving with the Apostle Paul. And what did Paul say here about him? Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas, touching whom ye receive commandments, if he come unto you, receive him. Didn't he? He said, receive him. He wouldn't be mean to him. He didn't say, receive that snake. Receive that scoundrel who left us. He said, you receive him. I'll tell you something. Christians have got a big task before them. Because we're so prone to follow our flesh rather than follow what the Lord says. Are you with me tonight? He became profitable to Paul in the ministry. And someone now that the Apostle Paul was able to count on. Thank the Lord for his maturity. And then there was someone else. Verse number 11 in Jesus, which is called justice. This is not Jesus Christ, but justice. Who are of the circumcision. In other words, what? He was a converted Jew. And when a Jew gets saved, there's problems. They're not, when a Jew gets saved, everybody's not happy about it, especially a family. You know, many times when a Jew gets saved, they convert to Christ. You know what they do? The family, they have a funeral for their living child. They go and they have, they have this funeral there. They look at that child as someone who is dead. That's how much they hate that. Here was a Jew, a man of the circumcision, the Bible says here. Jesus called justice. And he says, these only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. Here was a man who was suffering rejection, a Jewish believer, all because he trusted Christ 
as a Savior. You know, I have to say, probably most of us don't pay much of a price for being a Christian. You say, well, someone laughed at me. That's not a price to pay. You know, those Jews that got saved, there's a lot of people, they lost their families. They lost their jobs. And people hate them. But they love Jesus. And I thought, you know, here's, here's, here's someone else. This person could say, well, you know, I was a Jew for so so long, but praise the Lord, I got saved. And the Apostle Paul talks about justice here, Jesus, and, and uh, 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 there he was. And he, he, I believe he never forgot the price of his redemption. And he served God. In verse 12, we find Epaphras, who is one of you, as the Bible says, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Epaphras was a member of the church of the Colossians, and he was a faithful prayer warrior. And one of the great things we can do for each other is pray. Have you prayed for me today? I hope so. I need prayers. You see, you're the pastor. I pray, but I need you to pray for me. And you know what I got to do? I need to pray for you too. We need to pray for each other. What a blessing it is to know there are people praying. You say, well, I pray to you. know, I, I, don't you know God answers prayer? And here, here's the thing. Do you know what will knit our hearts closer together when we pray for each other? When we pray. Not cutting each other down, but when we pray for each other, it will help our, our hearts to be knit together. And Epaphras, he was one of those men who was, was part of prayer. It was in part of, uh, a very important part of his, of his ministry. And I believe prayer is an important part of the church ministry too. And also, not only the church ministry, but our personal walk with God. Prayer. What a blessing to know there are people in the church praying for you each day. Isn't it a blessing to know folks are praying for you? Let someone else know what a blessing it is. By praying for them. And then there was Luke. Look at verse number 14. And Luke, don't say a whole lot about him, but what's it say? Luke, the beloved physician. So here was Luke, the beloved uh, physician. Uh, Luke was Paul's faithful companion. Never left his side, stayed at his side all the way through there. And, uh, uh, and during his incarceration, Luke was there. You know how great to have someone stick with you. Not forsaken you. You know, not just when everything's going well for you. And, you know, what, what, a, what a statement I find in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 11. And it's really, a, to me, it's, it's, a, it's an, an encouraging statement, but it's a sad statement, too. Listen to it. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Now, they're talking about that John Mark there. He says, now take him. He's profitable. Remember, we already talked about him. But the statement was, only Luke is with me. And it's sad, the greatest Christian in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul. Where's the crowd? The crowd's not there. Only Luke was with him. But do you think Luke brought him joy? Huh? I believe he did. I believe what blessing he got by this physician, this man. I mean, he's a physician. He could have had a lucrative business here, but he's staying with the Apostle Paul, doing what he can for him, that he was his friend, that he would watch over him. He not only took care of Paul spiritually, but he took care of him physically. And then there was Demas. In verse 14, doesn't say a lot there, does it? Demas and Demas 
greet you. I thought about Demas. At this time of this epistle here, Demas had continued to, continued to labor with the Apostle Paul in the ministry. And it was a blessing to him. I believe he labored with Paul for many years. But here's what's sad. He quit. He quit. He could have said, but I did for years, but he quit. You know, look at here and how that Paul brings up Demas in this portion of Scripture. In this letter, he talks about him. He says, he greets you too. I'm thinking he's still involved, thank the Lord. But you know what's interesting here? That he was still serving the Lord, but it was be a time where he was going, going to forsake. And the Bible says in 2 Timothy 4.10, the reason why, having loved this present world. I think I said this morning, there's a lot of church, a lot of folks in, that were in church, not in church today, because of a love of this world. He said, preacher, it never happened to me. You know what? Some of those people said the same thing. This old world has a tug on people's hearts and their lives. Everybody's important. What's it going to matter, preacher? I'm just one person. You know, so I say sometimes we have sign-up sheet. You know, I say, now sign up. And people say, well, what's it matter if just, if I don't, you know, what if just, what if, what's one more person or two more people going to be? But if five people do it, that's ten. Everybody's important. Never look at it and say, well, I'm just one person. You are somebody. You're important to God. And maybe somebody in the service you can be a blessing to. I'm saying this too. Even your participation in the service. You know, when we sing, it's really sad when you look around people don't sing. If anybody has a reason to sing in this world, it ought to be God's people. We sit there like a, like a bump on a log looking at that hymnal and not even open our mouth and singing. You say, well, I just don't sing too pretty. Well, I'm glad that the Bible says make a joyful noise unto the Lord. didn't say make pretty sounds, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And I thought, you know, we can, we can be a blessing to others. And, I, and, and isn't a blessing when the crowd sings out in a service? I mean, you, you notice Seth that finally, once in a while, he gets happy when we sing. No, you, you, I, I noticed this too. You're sitting back here, you know, I, I, like even tonight, how excited he was about the songs we sang. And I thought, you know, you know one of the reasons why? They're great songs, but there's nothing like hearing God's people sing the great songs. Someone comes by and shakes your hand. Somebody says hello to you. Somebody asks how you're doing. Somebody says, hey, I'm praying for you. Oh, my. But Demas... He loved the present world so much, said, you know, they don't need me. And yet he was needed. The reason I know he was needed, because God used him already. And then he walked away. You know, it's sad to lose a good brother and good sister in the Lord. It's sad, isn't it? He said, preacher, are you just mad when people leave? Well, you know, I, that happens sometimes. I get mad. That's my flesh. But, but you, you, know, you know more than that, it discourages me. You know, as a preacher, you put hours into messages. You got stuff you know will help people. That's, that's the hard thing about being a pastor. And in all 40 years, I've not gotten over it, is I prepare something for everybody, and then when people don't show up, they don't get what I prepared for them. You ladies would know how this would be. Make a meal, and people don't show up. You worked, you prepared. Now, I'm not complaining tonight. I'm just saying this, that everybody's needed. 
Everybody has a part to play. And you know what? It it's not only hurts us and sometimes makes us mad, but it discourages us when people don't take it serious. I don't know about you, but I, I have a problem sometimes with discouragement. I want to be encouraged. You being here tonight encourages me. Even though you're not smiling at me now, you still encourage me. Thank the Lord I can't see too good. Not only my hair's falling out, but my eyes are going bad. <laughs> Better be careful while we labor that we don't allow sin to come into our lives. Because we could be here one minute and the next minute be gone. I'm not talking about the rapture. I'm talking about out of God's will. And then the ninth person I have on my list is Nymphus. Look at verse number 15. We're moving right along. Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea and Nymphus. I'll tell you what, if you, you, know, if you have kids, more kids someday, there's a bunch of good names you can pick out, amen? Hey, Nymphus, come here. You know, that other one I couldn't even pronounce. And Nymphus and the church which is in his house. Wow, this is cool being very scriptural. It's such a neat thing, isn't it? I mean, the church was where? In his house. He opened his doors. And he, he opened his doors to the church there. You know, we, 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 when we started our church, we didn't have a building. And we were at the Evergreen Knoll boarding home. And Robertson said, well, preacher, you're welcome to have everybody come in our, our boarding home and we can have church in there. They opened the doors for us. We came in. It was their, not, I mean, their home for these people, but also that's their business. And they opened and said, hey, come on in. What a blessing. I mean, it was tough, you know, being in a boarding home. You never knew if people were coming to church clothed or not. <laughs> and that's the way it was. My father-in-law brought them out. I was so proud. I said, come on in. We're walking down the hallway, and a guy standing there buck naked standing in the door. I said, that's one of our deacons. We've been ministering to a nudist colony lately, and that's what we have here. Right? <laughs> but, but, I mean, it, it was tough sometimes. I, I, I mean, the ladies, I'd preach on hell, and, and I remember two ladies were back there. They're going, there he goes again. He's cussing again because I was preaching on hell. Fight. Two ladies one time, they just started, you know, and ladies don't punch. They just slap. And they're sitting back there just slapping each other crazy while I'm trying to preach. It was tough, but I'll tell you what, bless their hearts, the Robertsons, for opening the door for us. That's what this man did. Nymphus here, what happens? There was a church in his house. Mrs. Nymphus had to clean the house when before they came and had to clean it up after they came, didn't she? I'm sure they were there a bunch of Baptist folks. I'm sure they didn't wipe their feet off. I'm sure they came in there and spilt stuff and tore up papers and put their gum papers in the, in the, in, in, on the floor. And, and, and they, didn't, they didn't really care. But she had to clean it all up. You know, she was willing to do anything for the Lord. He says, Nymphus. I mean, how much do we hear about that man in the Bible? But Paul, greatest Christian, brings him up. He chose to serve the Lord in a wicked city. Identifying him and this, his house, with the Lord. You know what? I think he was willing to do this. I'm willing for me and my house to be identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Amen. And then the last one, verse 17. And say to Archippus, there's another good baby name, huh? And say to Archippus, take heed 
to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. Archippus was the pastor of Colossae. He admonished him to take heed to the ministry. In other words, what? To oversee the ministry, to guide the ministry, to teach the church. It was important to have a man like that to do it. You know, I think about what, it, what he was. He was. He was God's gift to the church. You know, God gives the church gifts, the Bible says. And want, some of the gifts are evangelists and pastors and so on. It goes on and talks about that. And you know, we, we need to realize that, and this man realized here that I believe he was a gift to these people. And Paul said, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. He said, Tychicus, you're important. You're just as important as all the rest of them in this church. And I thought, you know, this man had a responsibility to feed these folks. He had a responsibility to watch over them, to guide them, to counsel them, to pray for them, to suffer with them, and to be with them. Now, we just gave you ten people. And again, you know, you, you read this, and probably, you know, when you read it, you don't think too much about it. But I thought it was really interesting that Paul would 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 would. Let us know about ten different people here in the church. Showing us this. They're all important. They're all important. You know, I'd hate to miss and not be noticed. Missing. That happens when we're not doing anything. You know, our, our presence and our work is vitally important to the work of God. Yours is, and so is mine. You say, well, you're the pastor of the church. I understand that, but you're a member of the church. Understand that, too, that everyone is important to the work of the Lord. And tonight, may we walk out of here understanding. I want us all to walk away from here tonight to know this. I'm important to the work of the Lord, not in a prideful way, if I'm somebody. But I'm important to God's work. If I'm important, I've got to watch myself. I've got to be faithful. I've got to do what I can. God doesn't expect us to do what we can't do. He expects us to do what we can do. We sometimes just need to quit saying, I can't and do it. I believe, you know, God gives us different talents and abilities to do things. We'll never tell God no, but use it for him. Why? Because God puts us in a church so that we might be used. And I thank the Lord some years ago, we went through some difficult time, and we had a bunch of folks leave. Deacons, Sunday school teachers. And you know what? The very next Sunday, my wife and I, we like to tell this story. Not that people leave, that hurt. We didn't miss a beat the next Sunday. Every class, everything that people left was taken by somebody else. There were people that you just didn't realize. They stepped up, and we didn't miss a beat. Oh, yeah, there was a lot of empty seats. But everything went on because of this. People realized how important they were. We don't need to go through a church split to do that. We tonight can realize we're important too.
You are. You are. Amen. You are. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time tonight. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for these dear people here tonight. Lord, I pray help us understand the importance that we all play in the church, the body of Christ. Every member of the body is important. Oh, some parts of the body is not as pretty as other parts. Some parts of the body are not used as much as other parts, but every part is important in the body. We tonight are an important people. Help us not be a bunch of dead parts, but help us to be lively, awake, and alive, and serving you. Not for our glory, but for the glory of God. So, Father, I pray that tonight you'd speak to our hearts in this invitation time. While our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe you're here this evening, you're not sure you're saved. As always, we want to give an opportunity for you to come and trust Christ tonight. If you're not sure you're saved, you come and let us know. We'll show you in the Bible how you can be 100% sure you're saved. Christian tonight, let God use you. You say, well, yeah, I'm trying to do the best I can right now. You know what I think sometimes we don't do all that we could. There's something more we can do. I mean, just think about it. I don't think there's anybody in this room that couldn't have walked up and shook hands with somebody, and especially someone get baptized. I don't think there's a one of us that could not do it. Unless you were downstairs and didn't know what was happening. There's so much we could do. Just walk across the aisle and speak to somebody. There's something you can do. Somebody needs encouragement. Serve God for his glory. Now, Father, I pray you bless this invitation time here tonight. Lord, I pray that we would search our own heart and our soul. May we not look around and point fingers at everybody else. But, Father, we'd look at ourselves and see... Is a room for improvement in my life. Use us because we're all important in the church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.